0: Well, there have been a lot of games and a lot of trends are starting in certain directions. Some teams are taking off. Some teams are slowing down. What does it all mean? We're about halfway through the season. So it's time for our mid-season Puck Drop Podcast. It's time for
1: the The PWHL.
0: That's right, believe it or not, most teams are about halfway through their season with 12 games played each, and there have been some hot, some cold, some holding steady. So today I wanted to take a look at just some of the numbers, the trends, some of the uh, players that have either been hot or cold. What's your team been up to? Who's been the MVP for your team so far? So up at the top, it seems to me in the first tier, we've got two teams, Minnesota and Montreal. Might look a little artificial right now, but it has been shaping up that way for the past four or five games. So Montreal has 24 points, um, Minnesota has 21. Let's take a look at Montreal first. They have had to me the most surprising results. Some games they've won where they shouldn't have won. It's just been a fascinating team to watch from top to bottom beginning to end. They started off the season with an overtime win against Ottawa, and that pretty much showed you what you were going to get from them. It was hanging on, it was playing defensive hockey, it was waiting for that moment to strike, and that's what they've been doing ever since. They went one win, one loss, one win, one loss for about their first six or seven games. So they were, you know, pretty much about as average as you can be until... We hit um, the shootout game against Toronto, which they ended up losing four to three. But that game had a lot of implications for both teams. Um, marie Le Poulin, of course scored that beautiful tying goal. And then after that they went into the Excel Energy Center and beat Minnesota two to one with Elaine Chuli's great win. They beat Ottawa two to one. They beat Boston with Chulli in goal again at the songa Center two to one. Then they did lose the Battle on Bay Street at Scotiabank Arena, but came right back with another great win against Minnesota. They ended up losing in a shootout to New York, and then their latest game was a statement win in Verdun against Ottawa. So to me, it was that stretch in late January and right into February before the uh, rivalry series break that Montreal started to really start to come into its own. And you definitely have to look at their goaltending as one of the biggest factors. Who thought that Elaine Chuli would be the top goalie right now uh, with the goals against uh, of 1.24 and a save percentage of 0.961. Those are both tops in the league over uh, second place Karine Schroeder, who does have uh, an amazing save percentage as well, 0.949. But no slouch and Renee Debienne, who has played nine games total and has a 923 say percent average and a 2.16 goals against average. So both of them are really playing lights out. And then when you couple that with, of course, Marie-Philippe Poulain, who has 12 points in 13 games, a nice even six and six unarguably the best player in the game and then some great secondary or support scoring at least Maureen Murphy's been a great surprise if you want to call it that Um, she is playing with Poulin but three goals and seven assists 10 points for her and Teresa Vanishva another great story she got her second goal in the win against Ottawa so she's got two goals and eight assists for 10 points as well in 12 games and you can't call Laura Stacey a sleeper but With six goals and two assists, I think that's a little more offensive output than we might have expected from her. When you look at Montreal's top scorers, I'm going to kind of do a cutoff of six points in 13 games played. I think that's a good cutoff. And Montreal has six players above that cutoff point. Claire Dalton just makes it with her five goals and one assist. But that is saying something when you've got that many players contributing And Erin Ambrose is the only defender, but with two goals, five assists, seven points in 13 games played, I think that speaks well for her. So that's been Montreal's trend, kind of a slow build with a bit of a spurt in the middle that has just carried them as they've kind of evened out lately. And joining Montreal in that top tier is, of course, Minnesota, who have been on top pretty much from day one of the league since they went undefeated in their first Five games. Um, they did lose in overtime to New York, and then they finally did lose in regulation to Montreal, two to one. So if we look at their six point scorers, they have five of them um, Zumwinkle, Panic, Coyne, Schofield, Taylor Heisey, and Lee Steckline. They did have Susanna Tappany on pace for that. She has five points in her nine games played with um, Minnesota, and of course, she was traded to Boston. So maybe a little bit less than the other teams, but their scoring has been pretty spread out. Um, you've got a lot of players with, you know, in the two, three point range. And of course they added Sophie Jakes in that trade who got an assist in her very first game with Minnesota and who I think is going to make a big difference for them on the blue line, especially in the power play. Um, Abby Boreen has been a nice surprise. She has been activated now that Taylor Heisey has been placed on LTIR That allows them to keep Boreen on the active list. And she's been a really, really nice surprise. I think Liz Shepherds has been a really strong player for them. Maybe her points um, aren't quite there, but whatever line she's on seems to really be taking off. And Grace Sumwinkel, who we talked about, is I think one of the surprises of the league. Although, you know, the hat trick that she got maybe skewed her stats only slightly, but she's been very, very noticeable she's been driving whatever line she's on. And that's great. And then of course, since it's me and I'm obsessed with goaltending, (laughs) um, I'm going to look at the fact that Nicole Hensley and Maddie Rooney are among the league leaner. And then of course, um, I'm going to look at goaltending again as one of the huge factors, um, I think Nicole Hensley and uh, Maddie Rooney have been definitely underrated if possible, or at least undermentioned as far as being among the top goalies in the league. Nicole Hensley is sitting basically at third as far as goals against average of 1.84 and Rooney's in fifth at 1.98 in save percentage. Nicole Hensley again is in third Rooney's down a little further at eighth at nine eleven. um, But, you know, Hensley's been a great surprise. And the thing about goaltending is that we didn't know with many of these players who hadn't played a strong regular schedule since their NCAA college playing days, many of them. They might have played in the PWHPA, but that was a more limited schedule and they didn't play every game, obviously. Some of them were either second or third on their national team. And so coming out of something like that and then taking a little time to get off the ground and get started is a bit of a roll of the dice for these GMs. But, but definitely credit to um, Natalie Darwitz for realizing that um, she needed to grab Nicole Hensley um, early on in the draft. And she's been one of the better draft picks overall, period. About the only games that we've seen Minnesota struggle in were the two 2-1 losses against Montreal and in that case, Montreal played Elaine Chuli in both of those. So that's interesting that she was able to hold Minnesota to just one goal. It would certainly make for an interesting storyline if they met each other in the playoffs, which goalie would be uh, starting for Montreal and how they would do there. And then quickly just mentioning the trade as far as Minnesota's um trajectory through the season, I think that it's interesting that Darwitz and Marmer both said they didn't want to make a, a small trade, a trade of just minimal players that might not have that much of an impact on the roster. They didn't want to uproot players, make them move locations and change teams just for the sake of, you know, finishing out a a third line or playing small minutes on defense or something like that. They wanted to make a trade that they both thought would really improve their team. So they went for somewhat of a blockbuster with Jakes for Tappany and Abby Cook. And it's worked out really well for both. I think Jakes is a really good fit here. The injury to Heise maybe makes it a little unfortunate that they don't have Tappany around. But they are able to activate Boreen. So that should offset that a little bit. Right now, their playoff chances are at 91%, and that's about where you'd expect to see them. A 46% chance to make the final and a 23% chance to be the PWHL champion. So overall looking good. And then, of course, if you're going to talk hot teams, you got to talk Toronto. Not only did they win that battle on Bay Street, but they are on a five-game winning streak, if you count the shootout. And they have the hottest goaltender in the league. Who would have thought Kristen Campbell? She, you know, was making us all question the fact that Toronto only took her basically as their number one goalie in the draft. And she didn't start off that strongly. Um, you can go back to my videos where I said they look great. They chose a lot of Team Canada veterans, but did they forget about goaltending? And what I meant was... A strong secondary goaltender that looked like most teams had someone with enough experience either playing for their national teams or collegiately that if the number one needed a break, they would have it. And Toronto has Erica Howe, who is pretty much what I would call a a B goalie, a backup goalie. She can take a start now and then, but it was all on Campbell's shoulders. And at first she wasn't looking so good. You know, they got beat in their first game, four to nothing, by New York, and it just seemed to go from there. Losing to Minnesota, Ottawa, Boston, Montreal, they were able to beat New York. It seemed like this shootout game against Montreal on the 20th, where Campbell stopped three out of the four shootout attempts by Marie Philippe Poulain, you could almost just read that and see that happening in front of your eyes that she was gaining confidence. Kind of remembering how she used to be able to stop good players in big situations. And that was to me the turning point. In the very next game, she shut out New York. Uh, they won against Minnesota. They won against Boston. She got another shutout in the battle on Bay Street, three to nothing over Montreal. And then they were able to beat New York in that shootout again. So the second shootout win for Campbell. Um, Her save percentage right now sits at a tidy 918 and her goals against is 220. And that's saying something when you look at her earlier save percentage and goals against average. I mean, this game, she was at a 727. That's the game where she was pulled and then it just starts to go up from there. So great, great credit to her. And looking at our six point scores for Toronto, they also have five. Um, The cutoff is right here with Hannah Miller, who missed one game and has five points, but she's heating up. So you've surprisingly got Jocelyn Rock there with uh, six points herself, and Emma Malte, who's been just a little bit of everything for this team in a good way. She has two goals and five assists for seven points in her 12 games. And look who's on top, of course. It's Natalie Spooner, the league's leading goal scorer. 10 goals, 1 assist, 11 points. So pretty strong overall. And you've got players playing a secondary role like Maggie Connors. Blair Turnbull, you think, has to heat up a little bit more than that even. Hannah Miller's been a great revelation. And Victoria Bach, who's only played four games, I think she'll be joining those top scorers as well. And with that pair of LaRock and Fast finally coming to where we thought they would and hope they would. I think Toronto is much more where they belong, where we thought they'd be. And if we look at this chart of their daily playoff chances, wow, it's it's a roller coaster or it's going down into the Valley and back up because with those early losses into the end of January, they just plunged to the bottom. I think they were at something like a 15% chance to make the playoffs And quickly with that game against Montreal, they've climbed back up and the five-game win streak. Certainly hasn't hurt at all. Right now they're sitting in third with a 73% chance to make the playoffs. And then looking at New York, to me, they are just about what we expected. This is the identity that they seem to have right from the start. Exciting to watch. A couple of really, really big stars. I mean, Alex Carpenter... We knew she was good, but put her in this environment, and she has just thrived. So with all that talent, I think New York is going to be right in the thick of things all season long. Um, Even though Boston has jumped out by two points ahead of them after their last game, It looks like Toronto, Boston, New York are probably going to be the teams that are fighting for those last two playoff spots. One interesting trend with them is they definitely have gone past regulation the most. They have four overtime games and three wins and one loss in those. And they've already been to a shootout twice with one win and one loss. So they're picking up extra points even when they don't get the three for the regulation win. So they have two regulation wins, four overtime wins, two overtime losses, and four regular losses. So they seem to go literally almost one win, one loss, alternating. On February 4th, when they played in Ottawa, Ottawa jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. And then, as it looked like they were going to finish it out, scored three goals in the second half of the third period. So at 14:54, Abbey Rock scored... Less than a minute later, Jade Downey Landry scored, and then about a minute after that, Alex Carpenter scored. So they went to overtime at 3-3, and it was, of course, overtime hero Alex Carpenter who got the winner for them there. Games like that, when we look at the league, if something like that happens, it's usually involving New York. And when we look at our six-point cutoff, this is the team that is loaded with scorers. They actually have six Six players that have six points or more as of right now, and two of them have more than ten. That's Ella Shelton with ten, four goals, six assists, and Alex Carpenter, the leading scorer of the league, with eight goals, seven assists. Then we've got Jesse Eldridge with uh, four and four for eight points. Abby Rock with two goals, six assists for eight points. Jay Downey-Landry, four and two for six points. And a defenseman, Jamie Bourbonnet, with one goal and five assists. So there's a lot of offense there. And then at the same time, you know that this team would not be where they are without the goaltending of Karine Schroeder. She is one of the top goalies in the league. Her goals against right now is 1.71. And her save percentage is 0.949. So she's been just... You know, lights out from the first game where she posted a shutout and continues to just be strong all the way through. I don't think her play has dipped at all, and that earned her a call up to Team Canada for the rivalry series. So, the playoff chance chart for New York has been pretty similar to a team like Montreal, where they've gone one up, one down, and stayed pretty much where they are. If you look at the beginning and the end, They are right now at about a 63% chance to make the playoffs, and really the only dip they had was when they did have a two-game losing streak for the only time this season. And then as far as making the finals, they are at about 31%, and to be champion, it looks like a 15%. And so, like I said, the pack of New York, Toronto, and Boston, I think, are going to be the three that are sticking close together and trying to get those last spots. Now, with Ottawa, you'd have to say it's a surprise that they're at the bottom. I mean, that's where they are. Unfortunately, those overtime losses where they only got a single point starting with their very first game of the season, which is what happened, has just been the story for them so far. I don't really know what to chalk it up to. I think their goaltending has been really good. Mashmeyer has maybe... Born a little bit too much of the load. Maybe that's some of what's going on. I just can't fault her for the games. To me, they had the best-looking decor, but there have been a little bit of shaky moments for players like Gintzy um, Rose and Zoe Boyd. I think Ashton Bell's been really good. Savannah Harmon's been really good. Tara Lova's been really good. They obviously had the breakout star in Lexi Gia, but she's cooled off just a little bit, and... For me, actually, their most consistent player, other than Emily Clark, has been Katerina Mrazova. She's just been kind of a wild card that showed up and has just been playing at a strong A-level, let's call it. I mean, Lexia Gia went up to A+. I think now she's back down to a B+. But Mrazova's just been fun to watch, and so has her Czech teammate, uh And the interesting thing is with that six-point cutoff, Ottawa actually has seven players that would make it. And that's unusual since they're in last place, but it shows you that they've got the offensive firepower. They're just not timing their goals. They're not coming up with big goals. So basically, if we start at six points, we've got Savannah Harmon and Breanne Jenner, both with two goals and four assists. Daryl Watts has six points with her three goals and three assists. Razova has 6 points with 4 goals and 2 assists and so does Gabby Hughes 4 goals two assists then we've got 7 points for Emily Clark with 2 and 5 and 7 points for Lexia Gia with 4 goals and 3 assists now it's notable when you look at the number beside that that they all have a negative number in the plus minus and Jenner Harmon Watts and Razova are all at minus 4 so You can look at that and say, are these important players on the ice when goals are needed and getting scored against? Um, I don't think there have been that many empty net goals that have counted there. I think these are pressing to either tie the game or when they're out there needing a goal and it doesn't happen um, or they're getting themselves behind by just not playing well in the defensive zone. So that's an interesting stat picture to look at for this team. And so the trend for this team is an unfortunate one. It's overtime, extra time games where they don't have a single overtime or shootout win and they have four overtime losses. And those are just points that they have left on the board and they've come in some really painful ways with disputed calls, last second goals, games where they're ahead and then they get tied up and lose. So they have three regulation wins Zero overtime wins, four overtime losses, and five regulation losses. It's, it just is what it is at this point. I mean, you would think with a few extra points in those games, they would be more in the thick of things, but it's now points that they're going to have to make up. Um, looking closely at it, uh, the game on January 17th, they were up 2 to nothing in the first period against Minnesota, and they got tied up and lost in overtime in that one. January 24th against Boston, they were actually down two to nothing and then were able to tie it 2-2 and then lost with 52 seconds left when Teresa Schaffsall scored for Boston. So they came away with zero when, you know, it looked like they're at least going to salvage a point or even two out of that one. We've already talked about the February 4th game against New York where They were up three to nothing and watched it slip away late in the third period and then lost in overtime. So for those efforts, they get a mere one point. Like these are reasons that teams fall behind and can't make it up. I'm really hoping they can figure something out, but it it just is starting to have a look of a trend. And then, you know, when it gets in players' minds, it becomes a really difficult thing. Um, The other thing that has hurt them was the home-and-home uh, home series against Minnesota, where they lost both of those by a score of 2-1. to one. So there's not much else to say looking at the trend line for Ottawa. They just have not been picking up points. They were initially thought that, well, they have games in hand and maybe they'll be able to make that up, but as they've made them up, the results haven't come. So they have been hovering definitely around the bottom and they are in last in points last in playoff chances, and last in odds to make the playoffs and win the championship. So let's take a look at Boston and see kind of what's been going wrong, should I say, or going on anyway. What an interesting, frustrating, surprising team they've been. We all thought from looking at the draft that this was the team on paper that did the best. You know, they drafted Alina Mueller, obviously, at third. That was a stroke of luck. They drafted Sophie Jakes. They drafted Emma Soderbergh. They drafted Jamie Lee Rattray. They already had Megan Keller, Hillary Knight, Aaron Frankel look like one of the best free agent trios going. Why aren't they at the top? So the good news for Boston is they have jumped out ahead of New York by two points. So things are starting to look up for them, and you'd have to think they would. Um, if we do the six point cutoff with them, they have five and actually nobody has six. Exactly. We have three players with seven and two points or two players with 10 points. We have Jamie Lee Rattray with two and five for seven. We have Tappany with three and four for seven and, uh, Gate, Lauren Gable, four and three for seven. And then Alina Mueller has two goals and eight assists for 10 points And the no-doubt team MVP Megan Keller, a defenseman, three goals and seven assists for 10 points. Um, So Tappany joining that list is definitely a plus. Um, What you think about them losing Sophie Jakes is, you know, kind of a matter of other discussion. Um, She didn't have any points in her seven games, but I think the, the talking point here for Boston is really just one thing, and it's Hillary Knight. She's played her 12 games, two goals and two assists. She had an overtime winner for her first goal against Minnesota and then a goal in the latest win against um Ottawa. So she didn't play all that great in the last games of the rivalry series. Some have speculated that she might have an injury. You know, she just she doesn't really look like full power, you know, like she's got that fifth gear. She looks like she's getting up to about fourth gear and I don't know if it starts to mentally wear on you that you're not doing as well as you're usually expected or if there's something else going on but to me that's where the success of this team is really gonna lie is if she can get herself up there in you know the at least half a point per game um and more goals than assists really we need her firing on all cylinders. Um, So they've shifted their lines around with the addition of Tappany. I believe she was the first line center in their last game. And she's looked really good. Um, Gable has looked good. They've mixed things around a little bit, you know, trying to find the right line mates for for Knight and for Mueller, whether playing them together or not. Um, Hannah Brandt usually plays well with Hillary Knight. And then another storyline that I'm watching is Sophie Shirley, hoping that she can come back after that apparent head injury where she collided with the stanchion. and I think she was becoming a really important player and with her performance in the rivalry series with Canada showed that she's really got some tools for success so hopefully she can come back um, without too much problem and then in their last game you know Erin Frankel showed really well she got that shutout um, so goaltending doesn't look like a problem for them although Emma Soderbergh, to me, has underperformed um, just a touch. You know, maybe an extra win from her could have helped them be um, up higher in the standing. So everything is so close with, you know, one game and the three points on the line that it's really just, it's tight, tight going. But if they've turned the corner with these two wins in a row, I think that'll keep them in the mix for the playoffs and maybe even the finals. I am just, the you know, known for my great predictions and I picked them to win the whole thing. It's still possible. It's only halfway through the season. So the trend for Boston was pretty much staying right there with that, you know, middle of about four teams until they lost a couple of games and kind of, um, you know, bottomed out right around the rivalry series and now a bit of an upturn. So they're at 47% to make the playoffs, 24% to make the final and 12% to be the overall champion. So I wouldn't count them out yet, and especially if we keep an eye on their high-end talent and whether they can make a turnaround. So that's about it for this week. We might vary on when we do this podcast, whether it's on the weekend or on a Monday to recap you on all the games, and depending on who joins me. um, I'm glad to have a chance to do this here today and just look over the stats with you and Kind of get you the, you know, 30,000 feet view from up above. What's been going on in case you're, you've been caught up in the details of watching your favorite team, just kind of cheering for points. But there are a lot of underlying statistics and trends and things that might have an effect upcoming. Um, my bold prediction of Boston finishing first and Montreal finishing last. I did say. You could take it and flip it, and it would still be correct. And really, you know, maybe I was just being ironic. So that's the podcast for this week. Take me at my word. Take me at the upside down of my word. It's all good. We're here to enjoy, watch, support PWHL hockey. And that's a wrap for this episode. PWHL. Hey, we'll see you in the next one. Pot, drop PODCAST.